Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about why it's satisfying to develop a minor expertise. And relatedly, for reasons that will become clear, we'll do a deep dive into the issue of having a signature color. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my award-winning sister, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretch, we are both award winners. Yeah, it was so exciting. We went to Podcast Movement in Chicago, and we were up for Best Podcast in the Health and Fitness category. And we won. Yes. <laughs> yes. Although it was a lesson because we really didn't think we were going to win. And so we had nothing prepared uh, to say. And I don't think we gave a good speech. But as you said, if you can't be eloquent, be brief. <laughs> yes. And we were brief. Yes. And we were obviously very happy. So it was fun. And uh, and the next day we were matching uh, T-shirts with our happier logos that you made us. So it was a great experience, uh, yes. podcast experience. And we should say in that thank you to everybody at Panoply yes. who obviously shares this award with us. Yes, yes. Uh, now, Gretch, as we have a long promised on this podcast, we're finally going to do a very special episode on the five love languages. And, um, of course, we want to hear from our listeners um, their thoughts, experiences, and observations about the five love languages, which you'll explain here in a second. Um, and, and we're just going to dive in in our next special episode. Right. So every 10th episode is a very special episode. So episode 80 is going to be about the five love languages. And if you don't know what this is, it's a book by Gary Chapman, who's a marriage counselor. And uh, after 30 years of experience counseling people, he decided that there were five love languages. And this isn't important because it's the language you speak, but it's the language in which somebody hears love. Um, and we'll go into it in much greater elaboration in the very special episode. But just as a reminder to prompt you as you're thinking about your comments for us, the five languages are words of affirmation. That's expressing affection through words of love, praise, appreciation. Quality time. That's get, giving someone your undivided, undistracted attention. Receiving gifts, which is when you show affection by with gifts. Acts of service which is when you don't use words, but you do stuff for somebody. And physical touch, which isn't the same thing as like romantic touch. It's like sitting close to somebody on the sofa, giving them a back rub, putting your arm around them as you walk down the street. Um, and we've heard, been hearing from people periodically. So we know this is something you guys are interested in. But any mm -hmm. thoughts, experiences, observations, what you've learned? Um, how has this helped you in your relationship we would love to hear about it. So email us your um, thoughts on the five love languages at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or even better, leave us a voicemail at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. And on that note, Elizabeth, it's our Try This at Home tip this week. Ah, Yes. So this is to become a minor expert. Um, mm. You know, pick a subject and, and learn about it. Not that you're going to switch careers and become a major expert, but become a minor expert. 
Um, that's cool. It's kind of, it's interesting. It's like minor expertise. It's like your minor in college. It's like, it's not your biggest thing in life, but you're a minor expert. I love that. Yeah. And I have this frequently because I get sort of obsessed with things and I will like really, really want to learn all about them. And this just happened to me because of the whole signature color thing. Because once we talked about signature color and people started emailing and sending us photos and posting on Facebook about signature color, I have become obsessed with the subject of color. And it's like, remember when I got obsessed with the sense of smell? Yes. I mean, I just couldn't get enough, and I still get so much pleasure from the sense of smell. I have my my scent library, and I have my friend who's really into perfume with me, and um, I learned all about it, and the same thing was happening with me with color now. And it's just like a whole new part of the world is just exploding with excitement for me. Um, so that And that's just fun. Wow. So what are you doing in your, what are you doing toward becoming a color expert? Well, and I, I think for everybody it would be different depending on your expertise. Now, for me, it's always through reading. You know, like I always, mm. my first impulse is like, okay, I got to get some books on it. So I have this whole section in my library list that's books that my library carries that are about color. And then there were some books that my library didn't have, so which looked so good that I would order them. Um, and I started reading them. If you look on my Facebook post that I do every Sunday night, you will see uh, it is slowly becoming dominated ah. <laughs> with books about color. <laughs> and um, and then I've just and then I've been there's like all these cool websites. You know, I've been looking at a lot of Pantone stuff because Pantone is one of the. There turns out there are many leaders in the world of color that I did ah. not know about. Famous names. Pantone is one of them. Um, and I'm just. And I'm looking at color. So, you know, I was at the park and I was like looking at all the different greens and how it becomes yellow and how it becomes brown and black. And it's so exciting. Well, I have to ask, do you think this is going to make you more interested in decorating? I don't know, because I'm not really that interested in decorating, but maybe it will. Like, I, I wonder where it will lead. That's part of the fun of a minor expertise is like, where will it lead? And I think, you know... And one of the fun things I think about the best kind of minor passions is where it takes you out of yourself, where all of a sudden you're going to classes or maybe a field trip or you have a reason to visit a city because they have this exhibit that you really want to see or this place you really want to visit. Um, so I think like a minor expertise, like my father-in-law is, is obsessed with fly fishing. And I love that as a minor expertise because he's out in nature. He connects with other people. He goes to beautiful locations. Mm. He's like tied to the seasons. There's so many beautiful things about that. Yeah. And one thing that happened to me with color is like when I, and I think, I wonder if this, if people will report that something similar happens to them, which is when you come forward with a minor expertise, then it turns out other people are interested too, but you didn't know. And a friend, I was literally, I was having my adult book group over and we somehow, a friend of mine said to me, you know, kind of casually, well, you know, I'm obsessed with color. I was like, I did not know that you were obsessed with color. I'm obsessed <laughs> with color. Let's be obsessed with color together. And she's like, I have all these books to lend you. Then she went home and like ordered these Japanese colored pencils for me as a gift. Um, I oh, sent her an wow. article. It's like, this is a whole connection I have with somebody who's a good friend who lives a block away from me. And all of a sudden, we have this whole new cool kind of adventure to go on together. I'm so excited. That's great. I have to say, I think the only thing I'm a minor expert in is the Real Housewives. And it, it doesn't have the same depth as your as your passion for color. But I, don't, I would defend Real Housewives because there's a huge amount of stuff to learn and to discuss with other people. A lot of people are interested in it. So it carries you closer to other people. You got my daughter, Eliza, interested in the Real Housewives. So you're expanding what oh, yeah. other people are interested in. <laughs> 
You see them in real life. Didn't you just recently like see them? Uh, yeah. Well, I actually recently saw a couple of Kardashians, but uh, who aren't in the Real Housewives pantheon. But I've seen other Real Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> Quite often. Now, see, you need to educate me because I thought they're Kardashians, but they're, we're at the beating heart of no. the Real Housewives. <laughs> But also, I think that you bring up something, which is, I think you should pick something for a minor expertise that truly interests you. I don't think this is a place where you should coldly pick something and decide this would be like, I can't decide to be interested in fly fishing. You really have to pick something that speaks to you. And if the Real Housewives catches your interest, I say run with it and feel good about it and enjoy it. And, you know, it. this is a minor expertise. It's supposed to be fun. So let it be something that you really truly are interested in. And for me, this color thing just hit me, you know, and it's such a relief when that happens because it's so fun. But I wonder if for some people, if you pay attention to like something that you find fascinating that other people find boring and you're like, mm. why is it everybody as interested in this as I am? It's like, OK, well, go deeper into that. I was say like if you like going to Starbucks, it's like there's a lot of coffee um, information out there. There's a lot of, you know, different kind of beans and stuff that people could get into. Right. Whereas for me, it's like, it's all the same. It's just coffee. Um, but you're interested in it. That's a great idea. Um, or like somebody was saying to me, well, my daughter has no interests. She just sits around and reads comic books all day. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's an interest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, or something that you loved as a child. This is this thing about, um, uh, what something that you loved as a ten year old is probably something you would enjoy now. So maybe you want to resurrect something that was once a lot of fun for you, but you have kind of turned away from it. But maybe it still has a lot of power for you if you would start doing crafts or learn about nature or or whatever it might be. Yeah, there's um, there there's just a pleasure in getting out of your own head. Yes. And if it carries you towards new experiences, that makes you happier because that's novelty and challenge. If it carries you towards new relationships with people, that's going to build your happiness. Um, So here's one quotation to leave everybody with as they think about what is their minor expertise and if they don't have one, do they want one? And it's from Emerson's essay, Success. The world is enlarged for us, not by new objects, but by finding more affinities and potencies in those we have. Mm. And if you can find affinity and potency and color or Real Housewives, like it's going <laughs> to make your life richer. So let us know if you do try this at home and how becoming a minor expert works for you. What's your subject? How did you pick it? What have you been doing to go deeper? Reach us on Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 75. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers. So you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. 
Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash happier. That's noom.com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. So Gretchen, we have a little bit of exciting news. We have gotten such amazing response to our new happiness hack segment that you and I have decided we should have a happiness hack in every episode. Yes, it's so exciting. Whether it's our our happiness hack or a happiness hack offered by a listener, because we've been getting a lot of great ones. Yes, absolutely. And please keep sending them because my my life is already getting better and better from things that listeners have told us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to share those and highlight our own. And um, this time I wanted to mention an app. I don't use that many apps, so I feel funny feeling like I'm recommending an app. But it's an app that I read about that has really been fun for me and added to my happiness. It's called Time Hop, T-I-M-E-H-O-P. And what it does is it you connect it to all of your social media and, and your and your photos. And it tells you, it says, like, Gretchen's Day in History, July 14th. And it says a year ago, two years ago, four years ago, seven years ago, um, whenever you have stuff. And it'll show me little pictures. And what I love about this is something that we've talked about a lot in terms of happiness is that one of the best ways to feel happy in the present is to reflect on happy times in the past. And we've also talked about how photographs can get really super overwhelming and mementos can be hard to manage. Yeah. And this is something where it just like goes back and pulls something for you. And I've had so many happy moments being like, oh, yeah, I remember when, you know, Eleanor had such long hair or that was the day when uh, Eliza got her tooth pulled or, oh, there we were together at the podcast conference last year or whatever. And I'll show it to members of my family and they get a big kick. Oh, where were we? What restaurant was that? Oh, I remember that day. And so it's just like a very and it takes one second to scroll through it. Um, And it just it just makes me happier. And does it show you like appointments you had or is it just photos? Yeah, it's 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 photo based. Yeah. So it's pulling from Facebook, Twitter and uh, Pinterest and Instagram. I think I mean, listen, I am no expert. Like it just magically happens. Right. <laughs> um, and maybe YouTube because it's I see videos that I posted or that I took, you know, part of it is it's in your camera. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm not a sophisticated user of these things. So, you know, it's all a mystery to me, but I don't have to be. <laughs> but no, it doesn't show you appointments or texts or emails. It's just something that y- you literally just scroll through it in right. 10 seconds. Um, so it's just a little hit. Well, that's great. So time hop, it's called. Time hop. And I also like this thing of like one year ago, three years ago. Today. That's why I have my, my, uh, my one sentence a day journal that, I, that a lot of people like is what part of what's fun is you can say like, oh, five years ago today, what did I write on this date? I just am always attracted to that kind of memory, uh, like what was happening this day. I'll, I have my Filofax calendar back years and I'll go back and say like, what was I doing in college on this day, you know, so many years ago? Oh, Wow. I just like doing that. So this really fits my psychology. Anyway, uh, it's really it's really added. It's something little, but it's added a lot to my life. So it's a good hack. Yes. Okay, Gretch, it is time for our deep dive on the issue of uh, signature colors. Yes. And so thank you, listeners, because the overwhelming, fascinating responses that you gave got me totally obsessed with color. I have my new minor expertise that I'm trying to develop. Um 
But Elizabeth, I know as, as we've been talking about our own signature colors, you're you're rethinking your signature color. Like you've got a whole new you know attitude or or, or that you're thinking about. Uh, you know, I said it was going to be a Lily Pulitzer green, although then I realized I think it's actually a bit of a deeper green. And I've been trying to figure out on the Pantone scale exactly which green. But now <laughs> I've I got we had a listener um, who wrote in that her signature color was navy and white stripes. Yes. And then that got my mind going that maybe my signature color should be black and white stripes because I love stripes. Oh. So now I'm 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 wavering. Um I'm not committed. I I I can't decide what to do. It's like keeping me up. So um I don't know. What do you think about black and white stripes? I think it's a great idea. And that was one of the things that I thought was interesting is that a lot of people didn't have a uh, they didn't have a color. They had a pattern. So like Carly's said her signature pattern was polka dots. Uh, somebody else, uh, Miranda, said that she was an anxious person with low self-confidence. So she decided as a teenager that she loved animal prints and that like mm, zebra or cheetah prints yeah. made her feel absurdly cool. And so that's a kind of print. Or you could have um, camouflage print, eggshells print. And then there were the people who had a signature material. Uh, Jonathan said he yes. was drawn to stitched leather, Lori to denim. Um, so you could take this in more directions than I think we originally conceived. Yeah. So, so stripes, I may be going with the black and white stripe. I'm still debating. Yeah. It's a big decision and it's fun to think about. It is. I mean, a signature color that's like, you know, this is going to affect a lot of, you know, accessories. And how about you? Did you ever land on a color? You know, I think mine might be purple, like a deep purple, because when I'm looking around my house, um, I'm thinking that I like purple, but I'm still debating it, too. I, I think this is part of my evolving expertise in color. I think I'm, I'm moving toward it. Yeah, you have those beautiful purple walls in your living room. Yeah. I could see that. And they look great. It looks great against your red hair. That would be a good color for you. Yeah. <laughs> Gretchen, speaking of, you know, that your walls look good against your hair, somebody wrote in about Color Me Beautiful, which is a system uh, where you figure out what colors look best on you. You're either a fall, winter, spring or summer. And you and I had this done when I was in high school. Yes. Um, I was a summer. I think you were an autumn. I'm an autumn. So I thought that was an interesting thing, too. It's like, well, pick a signature color that looks good on you. It, it does make logical sense. Well, that makes sense because I do feel like whenever I have to be uh, speak or be on TV, I often try to wear purple because I do feel like that's my best color. So maybe that's part of why I'm drawn to it is because I feel like it's flattering. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But, you know, because I'm having trouble figuring out my, my, my color. What was interesting is that for a lot of people, they knew, they knew instantly what their signature color was. But many people said, like, until, when I heard this conversation, I thought I didn't have a signature color. But then I realized that I did when I was looking around. Like, one person, I forget her name, she said she was unloading her dishwasher. And when she saw her dishes, she realized that she had a signature color. Or Steph in, in Ontario said, my signature color is orange. I don't wear orange, though I've tried it and it never worked out. And I didn't realize it was my color until I bought an orange car. I realized that in addition to my car, I have a lot of small objects that are orange, too. A change pouch, my signature headband, a scarf, my laptop case. So sometimes it seems like what could be more obvious and more visible than your signature color. But it's until you think about the question, you don't always know things about yourself. Yeah. And then um, Julie pointed out that 
the decision to choose your signature color actually then reflected in whether you were an alchemist or a leopard. Uh, Gretch, that's when we sort of had a discussion about whether you feel the need to change or whether you're sort of okay with who you are. Yes. She says, Elizabeth easily chose her signature color like a leopard would, and Gretchen was undecided. Alchemist. Yes. Huh. It's all related. Yes, that was something I didn't even notice. I didn't either. But of course, now I'm wavering. So I'm that's my alchemist side <laughs> coming out. But it wasn't I thought that was a really interesting point from Julie. No, a really good connection. Uh, and then it was interesting how people often talked about how other people's signature colors served as such a powerful reminder and like brought back so many happy memories because they remembered someone else's signature color. Yeah, the memories um, of the color really tie people to a beloved person. Like Lori wrote, my grandmother, who lived 1900 to 1979, had a signature color similar to Pantone 339, I think, a real 30s kind of green. Her bathroom had that color tile with purple and pink accents. I loved it. And as a bright redhead, she wore it often with orange and brown and had things in her home that were that color along with things in the dull pink, gold, and brown family. Lovely. Every time I see it, my heart leaps. I've collected some things that color and tucked them away for my heart. Oh, that's so nice. Which I think is so sweet, isn't it? It is, and uh, kind of very much in the same spirit. Uh, Sherry wrote about her mother. Uh, her signature color was a bright red. Her first car was a little red convertible. Her cell phone was red. Her winter jacket was red. And whenever she bought something new for the kitchen, if they had red, that's what she always bought. I remember when I was little, she even had my dad paint her front door and garage door red. My mother passed away in January 2015. In her honor, each of her three children and four grandchildren wore something red to her service. She lived in Durango, Colorado, and loved Southwest things. Her whole condo was decorated Southwest. I looked for a special urn for her that was red and Southwest. I found the perfect one. It was a beautiful Raku Southwest urn. My two girls and I each got small matching ones. So that's like really like thinking about how to use a color and a pattern to lock in memories of an important person. Yeah, I, I love that. That just it it it's, it's just so meaningful to to connect those things. Um Alexandra pointed out how a certain color can tie you to uh, m- memories of an event. She says, after listening to your conversation about signature colors, I realized that I have one. Ever since I chose seafoam green as my wedding color, it has also been my signature color. I don't necessarily buy a lot of seafoam green items yet, but noticing the color makes me a little happier because it brings back the joy and memory of marrying my husband. That's a great way to have a signature color. Yeah, that's so fun. Finally, let's have, we have a voicemail from Shauna. Um, and this is interesting about how you, uh, you can get a signature color uh, growing up in your family. And then you can either keep that or, or you can decide to change it. But I thought this was interesting because for a lot of people said how they, their signature color, they either identified it in childhood or that it was actually assigned to them in childhood, but how it was a really fun thing. So let's hear from Shauna. My name is Shauna and I'm calling from Chesapeake, Virginia. And I love your podcast. I just listened to the episode about choosing your signature color, and it uh, really struck a chord with me because when we were younger, my mom actually chose signature colors for all of us. I have two sisters and a brother, and so everything for me was pink, and it made it really easy growing up, like all my school books and my backpack and 
not all my clothes, but, like, everything that I knew was mine was pink. And so it kind of helped eliminate a lot of arguing or frustration amongst all of us because we all knew, like, what our signature color was. And then we just knew that that's what that was, and it made us all happier. And it's funny, like, my signature color used to be pink, and since I've gotten older, I've kind of grown into the color purple. So right now, purple is my signature color, but... I think it's changed for me a couple times, and I don't. I want to just encourage you and say that you don't have to stick to one signature color, and you can choose a burnt orange now and choose a different one in a couple years if you feel like your signature color needs to change. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, everybody, for your thoughts on signature colors. And as Gretchen and I dial down on our signature colors, we'll definitely <laughs> let you know where we land. Um, but what's clear is we must have one, Gretchen. Yes. So we, we cannot let this go. Yes, yes. Um, and it was just so much fun to hear what everybody had to say about it. So, um, and, and we're still interested. So keep any more comments coming. Yeah. Okay, Elizabeth, time for a listener question. Um, reminder, if you want to leave us a voicemail question, call 774-277-9336. Uh, easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. And this week we have two questions because they're, they're very closely related. They're both about uh, related to the four tendencies, which is, of course, the personality framework that I talk about all the time. Uh, and if you want to find out if you are an upholder, questioner, obliger, or rebel, or learn more about the quiz, uh, go to happiercast.com slash quiz, and you will learn what you are and learn a little bit about the, the framework. Um, but so, Elizabeth, here, these were voice emails. Why don't you read the emails uh, from these two listeners with a similar question? So the first one comes from Kate in Cape Town, South Africa. She's an obliger and her husband is a rebel. She says, our biggest problem at the moment is my husband's work. He's not happy in his current job as it's not the field he wants to be in, but I can't get him to actively search for a new job. When we talk, he says he wants a new job and he's going to send out his CV, but I know he doesn't do it. Short of sending out his CV myself, I don't know how to help him. Any ideas? How can I help him without taking over? So, Gretch, that's the first question. The second question reads, I'm writing to gain some advice on how to be a positive force in my rebel fiancé's job search. I am Gretchen, a fellow upholder, and my fiancé, Michael, is a rebel. Now, when I made this discovery, I had a slight breakdown. It's an unlikely <laughs> pairing and had caused frustration at times. However, we bring out some interesting qualities in one another, and I have learned a lot about rebels by listening to Happier. Michael lives in Wisconsin and has been seeking a job in the Twin Cities since February with no luck so far. As you could imagine, all of my upholder tendencies come out as I try to be helpful. I suggest scheduling time for the search, networking, following through after a certain number of days, keeping a spreadsheet of jobs, etc. Even though he does want to do some of these things, he is struggling to motivate himself to do so. I'm looking for any suggestions you might have for him in his job search and for me as a supporter in this search. So this is interesting. It's like the exact same question. So a lot of people must deal with this. Yes. So I had my, I read this, I was pondering and I had my thoughts, I had my advice, because, uh, you know, I'm working on this book right now about the four tendencies, so I'm completely immersed in it. And I, I formulated my thoughts, but then I thought, oh my gosh, you know, it's hard, 
I'm like, it, this is a bold, drastic solution. But fortunately, I had lunch yesterday with a good friend of mine who's a rebel, who's super, super ah. smart. And I, and I said to her, can I, can I ask you to be my rebel consultant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. And tell me, what do you think of my advice? So I have had confirmation from a rebel about this advice. Oh, good. Well, what is it? Well, in one way, it's very easy. And in one way, it's very hard. And it is to do nothing. Uh. Every time you remind, every time you nudge, every time you pull out a pa- you know pencil and paper for like, let's make a list, you make it worse. Mm. Because with a rebel, if you ask or tell a rebel to do something, they're very likely to resist. And so when you say like, hey, do you want to make a list of possible people to contact? Their first thing is like, no, you're not the boss of me. And when you do that, you develop a spirit of resistance. And this is very powerful. And even if they want to do it, by reminding them, you are making it much, much harder for them to do it. Because if they do do it, they have to actively overcome this impulse of resistance that you've created in them. And so all the things that are your impulse to do, you should not do. Mm. And remember, though, it's not that rebels can't do anything. They can do anything they want to do. And also, my rebel friend said to me, a lot of times you feel like, well, I have to kind of remind somebody that they need to get on it. They know. They know they have to do it. This is not like they don't have information. They know perfectly well. And so you're just kind of getting in their way. And so I said, well, what could a person do to be helpful? Because obviously you do want to be helpful and you do want to kind of like, you know, grease the wheels and get, get action to come. And she said, one thing you could do, maybe, with some rebels, she said, this would work with me, but her boyfriend is also a rebel, and she said it wouldn't work with my boyfriend, is you could say, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Mm. Because she said for her, knowing that she had someone's loving attention was kind of nice, but it wasn't like it, they were directing her. Mm-hmm. It was like, if there's anything you want me to tell me to do, I can do it. Or if you want to bounce things off me, I'm here for you. But I leave it to you what your choice is. Mm. Well, I want to hear, Gretchen, like in a month, I would love for both of these listeners to let us know if they follow your advice, do nothing, if the job search, you know, picks up, if it works. Yes. Yes. But here, but here are two more things that I would say to keep in mind. One is rebels want to behave in a way that t- is tied to their identity. So if their identity is... Um, I am a great worker or, um, you know, I, uh, love, you know, whatever it is, whatever their identity is, they want to execute that identity. So it's helpful if you remind them of their identity. Like, well, I know it's really important to you to have a career that's really satisfying. So you'll figure out a way to get there. Like, and remind them my identity is I'm a person who really, you know, is committed to work or whatever. And the other thing is what does work with rebels Um, And I checked with my rebel friend and she said it would work here, too, is information consequences choice. So and then back away like you just you can throw it out there and then you have to walk away. So information consequences choice might be like, well, you know, a lot of people hire from what I read, you know, a lot of people do hiring in the fall. So it's probably like for the person to have like the most options, you know, because rebels hate to be trapped. They like lots of options. For a person to have the most options, they probably want to get their resume in like, I don't know, mid midsummer, late summer so that it's there when they're, like all the people are opening up, like figuring this out in the fall, um, you know. But whenever you, you know, you'll know the best time to get to it. You'll you'll deal with it when you feel like dealing with it. And then nothing. Mm. No reminders, no nudges, no monitoring. 
Um, and it feels bold. It feels drastic. It feels scary. But uh, from talking to rebels, including my friend yesterday, <laughs> this seems to be. So I agree. Like, I hope that we get an update, right, from these two. And good luck because a job search is always stressful. So, um, yes, even for an upholder. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's one of life's happiness stumbling blocks. Yeah. Okay, Elizabeth, this time we're shaking it up a little bit, and you're going to do both a demerit and a gold star because you got both of these in the space of a single afternoon. So what what was going on? Yes, Gretchen, I um, had just a happiness. Uh, I was all over the place in one afternoon, so I have to share. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mentioned uh, um, recently on an episode, I gave myself a demerit for not having gone to the doctor. So... First of mm-hmm. all, I went to the doctor. That's not part of my demerit and gold star, but it is a good thing. Yay. Um, and so I had said to Adam, for some reason, we both um, had the day off, so which is rare during the week, obviously. Yeah. So I said, oh, if you want to take me to the doctor, then we can go to the carpet store. Because as you know, we're doing our renovation and we have to do things like go to the carpet store and it's <laughs> only open during the week. So he said, okay, that sounds good. So we... So went to the doctor, went to the carpet store, everything was going great. We actually found some carpet we loved, like, you know, everything was happy and great. And then Adam got a text um, say, and he said to me, oh, we're meeting with um, this landscape person tomorrow at 11 a.m. Now, this had come out of nowhere. I didn't know this was on the horizon. I didn't know we were trying to meet with someone. I didn't know it was a possibility. And I just like totally lost it. I was like, what? That messes with my whole day. I have a plan. Sarah and I have a schedule. You know, and I just immediately was just like so negative and so reactive. Um, And he just obviously was sort of shut down. Like here we're having this nice afternoon and I just killed the whole mood. And so that was my happiness to bear it of basically just reacting immediately in an incredibly negative way without really thinking if it mattered. Because then I texted Sarah to see if we could change the time we were meeting and it was absolutely no problem. And it took me about 30 seconds to resolve the whole situation. It's funny why changing, changing a schedule, changing plans feels so arduous. It just feels hard. I know. It just, I, I, I would have done exactly the same thing. I do that like practically every day. With schedule changes. Yeah. And it's like, I feel bad, like, oh, I'm pulling the rug out from under Sarah. When in fact, like, she didn't care at all. You know, it was just not a big deal. Yeah. And the reason why Adam hadn't been able to give me a heads up was because this person's very hard to schedule. So it's kind of like you have to just take Uh. her when you can get her, you know. So that was my demerit. So I sort of, you know, quickly was like, okay, well, I worked it out. So it's fine. <laughs> um, realizing like, oops, I guess I could have toned that one down. Yeah. Um, and then we went on. Then we decided, okay, well, since we're out doing all this stuff, let's stop by this furniture store we need to go to in Beverly Hills. So we were there. We're at the furniture store. And Adam realizes, oh, um, there's this new hotel, the Montage, relatively new, where he had had um, a couple of business meetings and he loved the lobby bar. And Adam loves hotels. He loves hotel bars. He just, mm, that, you yes. know, as a lot of people do. Yes. And he sort of said offhandedly, oh, I would love to show you um, this hotel. Do you want to stop and get a drink? Now, 
Gretch, you'll remember my, I had another demerit I gave myself back in the winter because we were in Kansas City and Adam and I had been walking home from the plaza and it was raining and he had said, oh, do you want to stop in this hotel, get out of the rain yeah. and have a drink? And I was like, no, we need to get home to the family. And I kind of killed a romantic moment. Yes, I remember that. S- yes. And so... I remember that in this second when he said that, and instead of being like, no, I think we should get home, you know, I have a lot to do. I said, yes, let's do it. That sounds great. And so we went in and we went to this gorgeous bar and I absolutely love this hotel. And we looked around and it was just so pretty and we had a glass of wine and um, it was a really nice romantic, lovely little, you know, half an hour. Yeah. And so I'm giving myself a gold star for saying yes. Yes. And allowing for this kind of really nice time with my husband that just wouldn't have existed had I not said yes. Well, and I think the great thing about it, too, is that the whole point of the happiness demerit is that by stopping ourselves and saying, OK, this this moment got me a demerit. The idea is, is that then you learn from it and then you you do better the next time or like you feel bad about. Uh, by the way, I think you should give yourself a gold star for going to the doctor. But you gave yourself a demerit for that and then you fixed it because you're like, I feel right. bad about this. I'm going to fix it. And so and also you're like, if it might have been that if you hadn't actually said to yourself consciously, wow, that was a demerit moment. When the thing happened back in Kansas City, it might have been that it's just was like a memory that would have just passed out of your mind and you wouldn't have been able to apply it in this moment and thought, I want to make a different choice because I regretted that choice. This choice, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make a different choice and see how it goes. And in fact, it was a big happiness booster. So it's like it's like their system's working. Yay. Yes, our system is working. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So that is how in the space of about two hours, I had <laughs> a happiness to merit and I gave myself a gold star and I picked out some carpet. No, oh, and you get the gold star for going to the doctor. And I went to the doctor. Yes. So you get, you you turned a demerit into a gold star. Yes. It was a wonderful moment. And that's a great way to end this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Become a minor expert and let us know what is your minor? Why did you pick it? What is it? This is so fun. I cannot wait to hear what people pick. Oh, I know. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply, uh, all of whom contributed to our award. Yes. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And remember, send us your uh, comments about the five love languages for our very special episode coming up for episode 80. Yes. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Upward.